Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, good to see y'all in church. Um, man, what a great worship time. And what a great altar message, salvation message from Leslie there. It's amazing. I wanted to get saved all over again. I'm like, okay, but that'd be weird if the pastor got saved, right? I don't know. Ideally, your pastor is already saved, so. Uh, last week, we began a new series called Whole Body, Soul, and Spirit. Um, and uh, last week, I, I talked about a subject that I had been avoiding for a long time. I talked about vaccinations. And so if you weren't here and you didn't hear that message, it was a good message. And a lot of people told me that, and I thought... I didn't know if it'd be like a mulligan message, but a lot of people really enjoyed it. So, and as far as I can tell, YouTube has not pulled it down, so yay. Um, but go back and listen to that if you didn't get a chance to. Um, you and I are made up of three parts. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Uh, we're made up of three parts because God himself, the Trinity, is made up of three parts. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1.27 says, let us make man in our likeness and our image. We are made in God's likeness image and we have a body, soul, and a spirit. The consequence of living in a fallen world has trickled down through the generations and mankind has primarily lived in a fractured state of fellowship with God, a fractured state of triuneness. Let me, I'll say it this way. Humanity has lived in a state of perpetual brokenness because of this. And Jesus came to mend that, to make us one with him again. Um, and here's the deal. When one part of our being is out of synchronization, uh, is out of synchronization, the whole person suffers. Why? Because our body, soul, and spirit, they're interconnected and they influence one another. Many times in church, we focus on the spiritual, but we don't focus on the fact that we have a body. We don't focus on the fact that we have a soul. And all these are interconnected. And we, I think it's time that the church begins to rise up and give answers to the world of, of the brokenness and not just in the spiritual realm, but also in the physical realm, okay? And so here's the deal. If you pull the rug out from under one part of your being, the whole person will suffer and be ineffective, all right, so to illustrate this point um, this morning, I'm going to open with a riddle, okay? <clears throat> now, if you know the answer to the riddle, don't, don't yell it out just yet. Actually, if you know the answer, just shoot up your hand, but don't say it out loud just yet. Okay, so here's the riddle. If you give me food, I will grow. If you give me water, I will die. Who or what am I? Does anyone know that one? Emily does. If you give me food, I will grow. If you give me water, I will die. Who or what am I? You thought you knew it? What do you got? Fire. Fire. Boom. You're right, Dylan. Good job, buddy. Okay. If you give fire food, it will grow. If you give water, or if you give fire water, it will die. Okay. So um, when I was in high school, I took some welding classes. I took some auto mechanics classes, and they teach you. Um, about how to put out a fire. Okay, and go, ahead, go ahead and put up that picture of the next slide that we have. Um, this is what's known as the fire triangle. They teach you about the fire triangle, and this is what they teach you. If you take out any one of these three, the chemical reaction will, will stop. You'll put the fire out. If you take out the oxygen, you remove the fuel, or remove the heat, 
you can put the fire out, okay? Um, and this is the point I want to make. So it is with our being. If you pull the rug out from, uh, from under one part of your being, maybe it's your body, maybe it's your soul, maybe it's your spirit, the whole being will suffer. And so we as Christians, we have to, we have to keep these three in mind, and that's kind of what we're going after and focusing on in this series. Uh, today, I want to talk about something that... Um, can undoubtedly have an effect on a person's soul as well as their body and, and, and of course, their spirit. Um, I want to talk to you um, about drinking alcohol, alcohol consumption. Christians and alcohol. Aren't you glad you came to church? Come on. All right. And afterwards, we're going to have a party. No, I, I don't know. We'll be like, it's all good. Let's have a party now. Okay. All right. Many of you know, so we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about the subject. The Bible has a lot to say about alcohol, okay? Many of you already know what the Bible has to say about alcohol and drinking, um, and you've settled the, the matter in your own minds, but I'd like you to consider today that there's um, some more variables and possibilities to the subject that maybe you haven't considered. And so I think this will be good for all of us, because um, when we make decisions about if, when, and how to consume alcohol, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And so I think it's healthy that Christians have these type of conversations. You know, sometimes if, if we, um, there are parts of, the, of America and parts of the world where um, alcohol is viewed as this like shameful thing. And how many know when you put shame over something, anytime someone does it, um, the result is going to be, you know, sinful, shameful, and hiding, right? We kind of do this with sex sometimes. Like we don't talk about this enough. And, and then people are raised with this mentality that sex is this dirty, shameful, sinful thing. And then Christians grow up under that, and they don't grow into, you know, mature Christians who enjoy the things that God's given us. Amen? So we're going to talk about this today. Okay. Um, depending on what part of the country you're from or denomination, I don't know your denominational background or history, some denominations are like, no, this is evil. You know, others are okay with this. The Catholics are pretty good with it, you know. Um, an amen, you know. Um, some denominations are like, you're going to hell if you taste it, you know. So depending on your background, you probably have a, a preconceived um, idea of this. And uh, anyway, so questions we're going to answer today. Is drinking a sin? Uh, is it wrong? If it's not a sin, then where is the line? Or, or where's the line? How far can I go, you know? Um, or maybe we're asking the wrong questions altogether. I'll give you a little personal background story on um, myself and my wife. My wife and I have many alcoholics in our family, okay? So we have both seen the destruction of, of what alcohol, when it's abused, the, the destruction of it in our family's lives. Um, when I was about 12 years old, um, I was kind of headed in the wrong direction, to be honest. Even at 12 years old, I was kind of heading in the wrong direction in my life. And um, I, had, I have an uncle who at the time was a terrible, terrible alcoholic. And by terrible, it means he drank a lot, right? He was a good alcoholic in the sense that he drank a lot. Bad in the sense that it wasn't good for him. Depends how you look at it. Depends which way you're going. Uh, my uncle's go-to was vodka, and he would, I don't know how much he would drink, but I, I do remember this story one time. He, he got pulled over. He was driving, and um, he, he, he blew numbers that they're like, we don't even know how you're having a conversation and walking around. Like, this is how much alcohol you've had. And he's driving a car. So, like, his tolerance was way up there. 
Anyway, when I'm, when I'm 12 years old, he's at our house, and he had gone a period of time without drinking, and um, like 12 hours or something, you know, I mean, that's a period of time, isn't it? Long enough to where his body began to crave it, and I saw him have a withdrawal seizure right, right in front of me. It was like my, my mom, my, my stepdad, my grandma were all there, and we saw him have a withdrawal seizure. And at 12 years old, it actually, because the trajectory of my life was kind of going the wrong direction, um, even at that point, um, I don't know, if you have 12-year-olds in the house and you have alcohol, just know that sometimes they can sneak things, okay? They're trying things out, just know that. And those are the kind of things I was doing and doing with friends. And honestly, that event kind of scared me straight. In fact, it terrified me. And, um, and, and Emily has alcoholics in her family, so we've both seen the destruction of this. But this is what I did that day. I was like, oh my gosh. I, I told myself I would never drink because I was terrified that I would become an alcoholic because I had lots of them in my family. Um, and I still hung out with people that were drinking and was stoners and stuff like that, but I never drank because I was like, I absolutely don't want to become an alcoholic. And so from uh, the ages of about 12 to 23, I probably had like a half a beer. My 21st birthday, I didn't drink at all because it just wasn't for me. And it really wasn't until um, I was about 23 years old, 24 where I started like having an occasional, you know, occasional drink here and there, which is about the time I started dating Emily. <laughs> which begs the question, does Emily drive me to drink? <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> All right. Is consuming alcohol a sin? The answer is sometimes, okay? I'm not going to give a simple one-dimensional answer today because a simple one-dimensional answer does not exist. Um, for some of you, it is, uh, it is wrong. It is a sin all of the time. And for some of you, it's not a sin in the right context with the right mindset. Right context, right mindset, okay? And you have to decide for yourself which, which uh, group or which category you fall into and, and hold these things before the Lord. Okay, so I'll get to um, some examples here in just a few minutes. Before we do that, I want to answer a religious kind of question. Um, did Jesus drink wine or was it unfermented grape juice? Okay. You need to know that your Lord and Savior did drink wine. It was not unfermented grape juice as some would teach. Here's the deal. Before 1860, before 1860, there's a man named Thomas Welch, Welch's Grape Juice, Thomas Welch, okay, Welch's Grape Juice first came about in 1869 when the, an American uh, physician and dentist, Tom, uh, Thomas Welch, invented a method of pasteurizing grape juice to halt the fermentation process, preventing it from turning into wine. Okay, here's the deal. Wine, or grape juice, left to itself, churns into wine. It ferments. It will ferment unless you pasteurize it to halt the fermentation process. Back in Jesus' day, unless it was freshly squeezed grape juice, it was wine because given some amount of time, it became wine. And they, they you know, harvested it times of the year. They drank it year-round, okay? And so for sure it was wine. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that just um, talk about this. Jesus said this, Matthew eleven eighteen 18 through 19, He's talking about John the Baptist. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. 
The Son of Man came, Jesus speaking of himself, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton, glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Okay, if they were only drinking unfermented grape juice, then how would they accuse Jesus of being a drunkard? Like, that would have been a quick response for them. Like, you're a drunkard. It's like, well, there's no such thing because no one here, you know, none of the disciples, no one drinks wine. It's only unfermented grape juice. Okay, so that's scripture number one. Uh, let me give you another one. Luke chapter 5, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said this. He says, no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. Okay, let me just pause right there. Uh, the reason why new wine would burst wine skins is because when you ferment grape juice, it releases CO2. CO2 expands and it would burst the wine skins. So they had to use new wine. It's a spiritual, actually, he's speaking of a spiritual truth here that in order to have the Holy Spirit, we need to become like new wine skins, right? And so he's speaking of a spiritual truth, but he's also speaking, he's illustrating it with something that was common of his day which is that, that uh, uh, grape juice would ferment, the CO2 would cause it to expand. If you didn't put it into new wineskins, it would burst and the whole thing would be ruined, okay? And then look at this, verse 39. And no one after drinking the uh, old wine wants the new, for they, for they say the old is better. Okay, let me just tell you something. Old grape juice is not better than new grape juice. But old wine is better than new wine. It gets better over time, okay? So it's pretty obvious that in that context... Culturally, that was happening. There are cultures around the world, and I've, I've been around the world um, doing missions, working different things. Some places, they're, they're good with it. Other places, it's like, it is not okay, okay? And um, so you got to know where you're going, okay? But Jesus, in that context, in that culture, that was something that they did. Now, is it a sin? No. That in and of itself, you can't say it's sin because how many of the, our Lord and Savior never sinned? That's kind of a big deal for us, right? He was the pure the pure lamb that was uh, slain from the foundation of the world, okay? Okay, so, um, by the way, Jesus' first miracle in the, the wedding of, in Cana, do you know how much wine, uh, how much water he turned into wine? 120 gallons. That's how much, that's how much wine, wine he made at the wedding of Cana, okay? And then he, there's other scriptures that suggest that, in Matthew 26, I won't read this, but Matthew 26, verse 27 and 28 suggests that there's actually drinking of wine in heaven. Jesus said, I won't taste the, the fruit of the vine again until I'm in my Father's kingdom. And so apparently there's drinking of wine in heaven. So anyway, I just want to say before we get on the, the onset of this that drinking alcohol was something that was in the Bible. Okay, now let me give you examples of when consuming alcohol or drinking is wrong. Is that good? Are you guys good with this? Okay, I'm going to give you four examples of when drinking is a sin or when it's wrong, okay? Because if, if we're giving liberty, certainly the Bible speaks to some guardrails here and surrounding this issue because it, it does have destructive powers. I've seen this firsthand uh, in, in our lives and in my family's lives. Certainly there's some guardrails. So let's, let's talk about these guardrails, okay? When is drinking a sin? Number one, point number one, when it is illegal, okay? It's a sin. It's actually a sin for you to consume alcohol when it is illegal. Let me give you an example. If you're under the age of 21, okay? Now, someone might say, why should that matter? What difference should that make to me if it's illegal for the country that I live in? It matters because Scripture is explicit 
that it instructs Christians to follow the laws of their land. Okay, it's very obvious from the early church fathers and from the scripture, which I'll read here in just a minute, that we weren't just supposed to run rogue all the time. Okay, we're supposed to follow the laws of our land. Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, and Titus 3 make this very clear for us. Okay, we can't just do whatever the heck we want. All authority, God has all authority, and some of that authority he's given to human governments. Okay, uh, let me read this, Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will be received. Uh, you receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a, uh, the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath for, on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed, okay? Now, Paul isn't talking here to um, people who are hanging out in, in Jerusalem, like Jews at the time. He's talking to Romans in Rome, okay? And at the time, how many know Rome wasn't exactly a goody-two-shoe government, okay? Rome was a pagan and many people would say, in many ways, evil government. And he's saying, hey, respect and honor and, and obey the laws of the land. And he's saying this to Christians, okay? That, that applies to us as well. Um, okay, so that's a, one example. If you're under the age of 21, that's one example of when it's, when it's a sin, when it's illegal. There are other situations where it may be illegal for us to consume alcohol. Um, there are many state and local ordinances surrounding this subject, and it's important for us to know what those state and local ordinances are, okay? I can't just jump in a car, open a beer, and go for a drive. You know this, okay? All right, so the point number one, when is drinking wrong? Number one is when it's illegal, all right? Point number two, when is drinking wrong? Point number two, when you are in the company of someone who will stumble because of your drinking, someone who will cause them to stumble, okay? I'll give two examples of this. Example one, does the person you are around drinking around, do they have a problem with alcoholism, okay? Uh, they have a problem with abusing alcohol. Would they be tempted by your drinking? Would they be tempted to drink as well? Look at this, Romans 13, 8 through 10. It says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has others has fulfilled the law. The commands, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilled in the law. Okay? For the sake of love, you should know who you are in the company, uh, who, who's in your company, so that you don't make the mistake of causing them to stumble. Okay? Uh, I'll give a couple examples here. I mentioned my uncle at the beginning of, of this message that he was a terrible alcoholic, and he's, he uh, did come to a point where he hit rock bottom, and God's divine intervention and grace encountered him there. And he's been, I, I think he's been sober for probably, probably like 20, 30 years, 25, 30 years by now. So amazing, amazing story. And he would have been dead for sure. 
But here's the deal. At family functions, people will have drinks around my uncle. His wife will have a drink, and he's not tempted by it. For him, he's settled the issue. He's like, I'm not drinking. God delivered me from that. I can't ever pick this back up again, you know? And for him, the issue is completely settled. It's not a temptation for him to see others drinking. Um, for others, that is not the case. For others, having a drink and casually in front of them, it's, it's a temptation in front of them, and we need to be cognizant of that um, as Christians. Uh, I'll give you an example of, of uh, someone who many of you know. And <clears throat> I asked his permission to, to give this illustration. So how many know Bryson, Va- Bryson uh, Vasquez? Right, Bryce and Amanda were uh, our city group. Um, the face is like, no, don't. Uh, Bryson is our uh, was our city group uh, director for me a long time. Him and his wife, and they were also over young adults for a long time. And Bryson um, has a drinking problem. Bryson um, is an alcoholic. Um, in his younger years, he he drank a lot. He went into the Marines, and you know the armed forces aren't really known for sobriety. You know. <laughs> um, and he really got after it in the Marines and uh, developed a problem. He, come, he came back home, and this problem continued to persist and affect his, his marriage to Amanda and different things. And so he knew he was having a problem because he couldn't just have one. It's not like I, he couldn't just have one. And then he was hiding it and different things like that, which became a problem. And so um, we're really good friends with Bryce and Amanda, and, and we have a group of friends that we would get together on a regular basis. We'd get together and... Um, it kind of came to, like, okay, Bryson needs to be sober. And people would have a drink here and there. Bryson needs to be sober. So the question became, should we drink around Bryson? Should anyone have a drink around Bryson? And this is where, this is the issue for him. He said, I'm not tempted if people have a glass of wine. I'm not tempted by wine. I don't want wine. Wine's not a temptation for me. He's like, but I loved beer. And beer is a problem for me. And so for the sake of honoring our, our brother Bryson, our friend Bryson, if people were going to have a drink, they wouldn't have beer. They would just have wine. We were doing that to accommodate him because how many know it's more, I'd rather hang out with you than have a, like, oh, I have to have a beer. You know what I'm saying? And so what I'm saying, the point I'm making is find out who you're around, get to know them, what tempts them. Have they had these issues in the past? Maybe it's, maybe you can't drink around them all. Maybe you can have a certain type of drink, but just know who you're around so that you can love that person and not be a stumbling block, uh, block to them, Okay. Um, I'm very careful in, in public, um, when I, you know, I'm a pastor, so people are always kind of watching. I don't post pictures, you know, with a drink at a restaurant, like some of you do. If I'm at a restaurant and someone's going, let's take a picture of the group. And if some people have drinks on the table, I'm like, would you guys mind just doing this real quick for me (laughs) as we take this picture? If you're going to post it, you know, I'm really, I'm really careful with my surroundings. If you invite me to your kid's graduation party, I'm not going to drink there. Okay. I don't care if you do, I'm not going to drink there. Okay. So, um, so um, let me give you another example of when it's causing, it could cause someone else to stumble. Um, if you're in the company of someone whose conscience tells them it's wrong. Okay, so there's not just people who have a problem with alcohol abuse themselves, but it's people who their conscience, and you know these people, their conscience informs them that it's wrong. We need to be careful around those people. Um, I'm going to read a, sec- a portion of Romans 14, Romans 14, 19 through 21. The, con, um, the context of this, uh, Paul is talking about um, food. Can you eat food sacrificed to idols? But Paul lumps some other things in here. And this is the scripture I talked about last week that talks about disputable matters. And that was your homework assignment to read Romans 14. How many read it? 
Okay, some of you read it. Good job. Okay, the rest of you go home and read all of Romans 14. It's good stuff. But this is what he says, Romans 14. Because some things are explicit in Scripture, and some things are, there's some gray area, and it's a disputable matter. Romans 14, 19 through 21. Therefore, let us make every effort to, to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that causes your brother or sister to fall. Okay? So if you're causing someone else to stumble, you're not acting in love. You're not acting in love. So whether they have a problem abusing alcohol and it's a stumbling block for them, or whether their conscience informs them that it's not right for them. Okay? So those are two things we need to be cognizant of. My wife and I, for uh, nine years, we were college pastors. And that was a very (laughs) interesting group to pastor because you have 18-year-olds coming into your ministry. And our ministry was 18 to 30 years old. So you have 18-year-olds, they can't drink. You have 21-year-olds who can. And and watching people figure that out was pretty interesting. You know, sometimes they would go out after church and then you have, you know, a young adult who's like, I'm going to have a beer, which is fine. He had had a beer. But then you have a new convert coming and their only thought of alcohol is, all they've seen is abuse of it. They were in college. They went after it. And for them, I'm going to the church. This is my new sober community. And then it was like shocking for them to see Christians having alcohol because all they knew of alcohol was that it's bad and that it's a destructive thing. And so we really had to talk to people about, you know, how to, how to navigate these things. And, and is it putting a stumbling block in front of people? Um, it actually caused problems on, a, on occasion. Here's the application. Let's be very careful. Just be careful. You know, here in Colorado, we have a pretty open, loose culture, you know what I mean? We're not in the South where it's like sin, you know what I mean? Um, We have a pretty open and loose culture, but let's be very careful, especially I would say if you're holding a leadership position here at the church, be very careful who you're around and what you're posting and all that kind of stuff, okay? So when is drinking wrong? Point number one, when it's illegal. Point number two, when you're in the company of someone who will stumble by your drinking. Point number three, when is it wrong? It's also wrong when your conscience, your conscience tells you it's wrong, okay? I mentioned that from the ages of 12 to 24, I didn't drink. And for me, drinking was wrong. And it, it would have been wrong for me to have a drink at that portion of my life because I, I had, like, said no. And I knew for me it wasn't okay. But I have seasons like this, and I've had seasons like this, and I have seasons like this where the Lord says, no, I don't want you having any alcohol for this season, um, in the Bible, you have people who, for the, for the sake of consecrating themselves to the Lord, the Lord tells them, don't drink, don't drink during the season of consecration. Or you have the Nazarites, for example. There's a Nazarite vow where they, where they were never supposed to, to drink. There are different times for consecration to the Lord's sake that people um, shouldn't drink. But I have many friends who don't drink at all. And I have two friends, I've, and I texted them the other day, I have two friends who have never had a drink in their entire life. And I, I texted them both the other day, and I said, hey, um, I'm preaching on alcohol this weekend. Are you guys, have you still never had a drink? And they both texted me back and said, nope, never. And for them, it's not like, both of them said to me, and it's not because I think it's wrong, and it's not because I'm judging other people, and I don't think they should. They just said, for my sake, I've made the commitment. One of them made a commitment because it was like a family culture thing, and they were, he was asked not to uh, drink, and he, he, he honored that. And the other one said, um, He's never had a drink, and for him, it started as a religious conviction, and he said later on, it li- later on in life, it shifted to a 
personal conviction for the sake that he doesn't trust himself. He, he doesn't trust himself to, to drink. So, um, and here's the deal. It's not my job to convince them that it's okay for them, and it's not their job to convince me that drinking is bad for everyone, right? Because it's a, between them and the Lord, it is a matter of conscience, and for some people, it's not good for them, and they shouldn't do it, okay? Um, let me, uh, let's read this, Romans 14, 5 through 8. It says this, One person considers one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For, watch this, verse 7 is important. For none of us lives to ourselves alone, uh, and none of us dies to ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That's important. Verse 14, let's jump down to verse 14. He says this, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, uh, then for that person, it is unclean. Okay? So if your personal conscience says, this is wrong for me, then it's wrong for you. Okay? And don't let anyone tell you that it's right for you if it's wrong for you. And listen, those of you in Christ who enjoy the liberty and you feel it's okay, it's not your job to convince everyone that it's okay. Okay? Let their conscience inform them and don't violate their conscience. Okay? So if you have liberty, don't violate others' conscience. Okay? So that's point number four. When is drinking wrong? Number one, when it's illegal, when you are in the company of someone who will stumble. Number three, when your conscience tells you it's wrong. And then this is my last point. This is the slam dunk. When your motive is to get buzzed or drunk, okay? If you remember any of my points, remember this one. It is wrong when your motive is to get buzzed or drunk. And I made sure to say buzzed because some people were like, I don't get drunk, but I get a little buzz going. It's okay. You know what I mean? No, it's not okay, all right? You need to hear me say that. <clears throat> this is probably the biggest slam dunk of my sermon because the Bible is filled with warnings about drunkenness. Let me give you a few. Proverbs 21, it says this, Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Proverbs 23, 20 through 21, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Uh, another one, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? You're not walking in the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Ghost, when you're engaging in drunkenness. Okay? So that one's a slam dunk. All right. So it's wrong when it's illegal. It's wrong when you're company of someone who will stumble. It's wrong when your conscience tells you it's wrong. It's wrong when your motive is to get buzzed or drunk. Here's the deal. Another, if drinking can cause all these problems, potentially, why drink at all? And other denominations have said, you know what? Some people are struggling here. Let's just say no one can drink and we won't have any problems with it, okay? Wouldn't it be easier to say no one should drink? Because the Bible is filled with warnings um, for people who drink too much. And some streams of Christianity have come right out and said, this is wrong. 
Um, but I don't believe the Bible teaches total prohibition for everyone. And let me give you a few problems and reasons why I don't believe that. Um, look at this quote from Martin Luther. He says this, Do you suppose that abuses are eliminated by destroying the object which is abused? Men can go wrong with wine and women. Shall we then prohibit and abolish women? I say no. <laughs> I say no. Okay. Even, we're not the Taliban up in here, okay? We're not going to abolish women. All right. People can go wrong with money. Should we banish money? No. People can go wrong with sex. Should we banish sex? No. Keep it in marriage, right? People can go wrong with cheesecake. Should we banish cheesecake? How much cheesecake is wrong? One slice, you're probably good. Two, it's like, all right, calm down. Three, it's like, okay, come on, you got a problem up in here, okay? Don't eat half a cheesecake. And don't drink the whole six-pack. Let's Come on, guys. All right. Look at this other uh, Luther quote. The pagans worship the sun, moon, and stars. Should we therefore pluck them from the sky? Okay. It's possible to abuse anything that was created by God to enjoy, but that's not justification to abolish it altogether. Okay. Um, wine and beer can be considered blessings um, that God created for us to enjoy. Okay. Um, look at this scripture, Psalm 104, 14 and 15. He makes the grass grow for cattle and plants for people uh, to cultivate, uh, to cultivate, to bring, forth, uh, to bring forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens the human heart, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. Okay, wine can be for gladness of heart, but should never be used for drunkenness, right? Um, wine is also considered a blessing in Scripture. Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So this is about tithing. How many tithers have we got here? If you're not a tither, you should tithe, by the way. Okay. Proverbs uh, 3, 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay? Wine is considered a blessing. It's for gladness of heart, but never for drunkenness. Okay? Um, <clears throat> and so I'll, I'll kind of land the ship here. If you, remember, if you remember anything I said today, it's not for drunkenness. Perhaps you have liberty, but it's never for drunkenness. Ephesians 5.18, it says this. This is explicit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? By the way, this makes no sense if they were drinking unfermented grape juice. Okay? Get drunk on... Do not get drunk on unfermented grape juice. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Okay? Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. This is an explicit command in Scripture. Don't abuse this. Okay? Here's the deal. But he says... Instead, he gives us an alternative here, which is amazing. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Our ultimate satisfaction actually shouldn't... I, I love that God has blessings in our lives, things he created for us to enjoy. But our ultimate satisfaction doesn't come from those things that he's given us to bless us. Our ultimate satisfaction comes from our union with Jesus, our connection with Jesus. Okay? Um, the intoxication of the Holy Spirit's love in our hearts. That's what's supposed to be filling us. So the real question is, not today, like where is the line? The, the real question I'm asking you today is, are your needs being met by your creator? Okay, 
you're going to live intoxicated by something. Because as humans, we are designed to be connected to our creator. We're designed to be whole. But if you don't get your needs met by your creator, you will get them met. You will get your needs met, but you'll meet them in a different way. You will go after other things that can try to meet those needs. And so are you being intoxicated by the presence of the Holy Spirit? Wine is a, is a blessing to enjoy in moderation. And perhaps God has spoken to you and given you liberty to drink, but don't let a drink have you. Amen? Okay. And then another question I just want to ask is this. Do you have an open window in your life for people to speak into your life? And my wife and I, because of our history, we've made it very clear to each other. Okay, occasionally we'll, we'll have a drink of wine or have a beer or whatever when we go out or whatever. But um, we we've, have a very clear understanding that if you ever see this have its influence over me, where it's controlling me, you have absolute ability to speak into my life and vice versa. And I would just ask this question. If, if, if you are at liberty to have a drink, do people have the ability to speak into your lives and let you know if this is becoming a problem? Amen? Okay. <clears throat> but at the heart of everything, are you getting your needs met by your creator? Are you intoxicated by his love? Amen? So I just want to, I just want to, I wanted to preach on this today because it has, I think in Christian circles, we just need to be talking about this. We need to have this conversation. Youth need to be talking about this because they're hearing it in other places. I think it's an important subject, but I just kind of want everyone to take an inventory. Um, we, have a tr- we have tremendous, there are areas of scripture where we have liberty in Christ, and we don't want to abuse that liberty. And I just want to ask this question. I think maybe there are some people here that do need to pull back the reins a little bit, okay? And maybe today you need to decide that's not right for you. And the question I'm asking is, can you just have one? Can you just have a drink, or do you have to have a few? Um, I've talked to people where they're like, I could have one. And I'm like, yeah, but you just had five. Yeah. But yeah, I could have one. I'm like, well, when's the last time you just had one? And then they can't remember the last time they had one. Well, yeah, but I could have one. Well, do you have one and then you lay in bed and think about two, three, and four, and you can't go to sleep? Okay. There's a problem there. Are you hiding it from other people? Okay. Or is it a place where this is now taking from you more than it's giving to you? Okay, those are good indications that this is a problem in your life when it takes more than it gives to you. <clears throat> so some of you today, I, I believe, maybe want, need to hang it up and, and just surrender this to the Lord. Our, our, we belong to him. Some of us need to reevaluate. And for the rest of us, we need to just um, have caution around other people not to cause them to stumble. Amen? All right. I'm gonna, why don't you guys stand to your feet, and I'm going to pray over you. Um, let us have our prayer counselors come down front this morning. If you need prayer for anything at all today, you came here. We prayed for a lot of things, ministered to some people, but man, um, we got our prayer counselors up here. Anything you need prayer for today. But I will say this. If you're at a place where it's like this has become a problem for you, um, I just want to pray for you. And if you want these prayer counselors to pray for you, they will. They would gladly do so. They're loaded. They're amazing. Not loaded in the, you know, the other way. By the Holy Ghost, Okay. They got loaded right before they came up here on, on Jesus, right? Come on, you guys. So they're ready, to, they're ready to rock and roll. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you that you did create things to enjoy in this life. And there are many here that um, have the conviction that, um, that alcohol is something for them that they can have, Lord God. But I thank you for the, the Holy Spirit who restrains us. 
Lord, I just, I just pray for anyone here who needs to hang it up, who needs to pull it back, who needs to give it a break. Lord, I just pray for grace for them today in Jesus' name, Lord God. And um, the, the, uh, the effects of alcoholism have had tremendous destruction on many people's lives, Lord God. But I just pray for us, Lord, as a church culture, we'd have a healthy culture surrounding this issue, Lord. It would be a healthy church where we talk about this kind of stuff, Lord, and people um, have a healthy uh, mindset on this, Lord. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you for today. I thank you for every individual in this house, Lord God. And we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.